so many good things that God has planned. And, you know, in my prayer time a little while back, uh, not that long ago, just maybe a couple weeks, I heard the Holy Spirit say uh, that there's a big difference between seed time and harvest time. How many of you know that the Bible says that as long as the planet is a planet, there's going to be seed time and harvest. So it doesn't say seed time and harvest time are at the same time. Seed time has its time and harvest time has its time. Pastor Dickow said there's seed, then there's time, then there's harvest. Uh, but what we uh, live for is harvest time. Because seed time is, the Bible says that unless a seed dies, it remains all by itself. But if it dies, then it'll multiply and produce a whole bunch of fruit. Well, the, the whole bunch of fruit is the harvest, but the harvest can't happen until something dies. And so we get all worried when it looks like things are not producing in our life. But really, when things aren't producing in our life, it means that you can be ready and start getting ready for something to be released in your life more than what's in your life right now. So, see, so whatever's in your hand right now has got to leave your hand, but it doesn't leave your life. It goes into a process of making it look like it's dark, it's damp, there's no hope, nobody knows what's going on. And how many of you know this seed don't work if you keep digging it up and look at how it's doing? You got to let it go and let it do its thing. Amen, somebody. And then and then and then what happens is when it leaves your hand, it starts it starts looking like it's dying. It's like, Lord, what did I do that for? Why? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The exact opposite is happening. What for, based on what I gave toward what I sowed toward what I forgave for what I served for. And, and the reality is that there comes a time when all of the dark and all of the death and all of the damp comes to an end and something springs up in your life. I'm here to announce tonight or today that God is moving you into a season of harvest. Amen, somebody. Whatever you got in the ground, whatever left your hand, whatever you've been believing for, you better lift up your head because God is about to do something for you that you've been believing, you've been waiting, you've been praying, you've been putting your foot down, you've been sowing toward it, serving toward it. I'm telling you, it's your season now in Jesus' name. Harvest time. Praise the Lord. This is not the time to be discouraged. This is not the time to be worrying about uh, what you used to be worrying about. This is time to shift that thing. It's the time to get your focus on your fruit. If you've been faithful, you'll be fruitful. I promise you. And so I want you to understand that in this journey to the extraordinary, and whenever we say yes to Jesus, that is our invitation into an extraordinary life. I was talking to Paul in the lobby, uh, and he said, you know, lots of folks is all twisted up and messed up, crooked. They're just crooked. Their, their lives are crooked. And I said, yeah, the Bible says if uh, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lead not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he'll straighten out what's crooked. So the reason why it's crooked is because you're not trusting. I can't get no help from nobody. But so, so whatever you're not trusting in is crooked. Whatever we're not trusting God in is not extraordinary. Whatever we're trust, not trusting God in is common. It's average. And last time I checked, average is our enemy. Look, man, Jesus didn't hang on some cross and go to hell and steal the keys of death, hell and the grave away from the devil and resurrect on the third day and walk around the planet for 50 days after he was dead so I could just make it. 
So I can look, God didn't God did not bankrupt heaven so I could be bankrupt. God did not bankrupt heaven for me to have a lousy marriage. Come on, somebody to, to uh, struggle through life. Listen, you are called to extraordinary living. You're like, well, Pastor Hayes, this is downtown Chicago. We're approaching the south side. Do you know where you at? You know who you talking to? No, do you know where you're at? Amen. Jesus came out of Nazareth. They, they were like, could anything good come out of this guy's hood? <laughs> come on, man. There's a, they, they were, God used somebody who was born in the worst city, in the worst town in Israel. And he, he put that guy there just so you didn't, wouldn't have no excuses. Like, you know where I was born? Or you know where he was born? He was born in a doggone stable in a manger that the doggone donkeys ate their hay out of. Come on, somebody. Why? So that you don't have excuses to be average. I'm not going to live my life struggling. I'm not going to live my Now, look, you can have seasons of struggle, but if you got chronic struggle, you got to wake the heck up, man. If you going from one struggle to another struggle from you got chronic issues that cause you to have to get boatloads of tissues because you're always crying about something. You're always complaining about you're always worried about something. Doggone it. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you understand the power of God that's on the inside of you? Do you have any kind of rec recognizing ability to recognize? Tomorrow I'm going to talk to the staff about recognizing their hour of visitation. Some folk get so busy being busy that they fail to recognize when Jesus is walking through their situation. And they're so busy, uh, you know, being addicted to the struggle. That life don't feel normal if it's good. You ever met people like that? It's going too good. I better screw something up. Because I don't feel alive unless I'm solving some problem that I created. What's wrong with you? Look, we're going to have to understand that getting to the extraordinary life, you have to pass through death. In order for your seed to set the conditions for harvest, you have to pass through a death. In order for God to purchase mankind, his son had to pass through a death. How many of you know that the death ain't the end of it, but it's part of it? And if we don't know how to die, then we don't know how to live new. Come on, man. See, the children of God, the victorious, the overcomers, the chosen few, the uncommon ones, the extraordinary ones are the ones that are willing to give up their life. Lay down and lose and die to those parts of your soul that keep contesting the grace of God, combating the will of God, and, and telling us that the way to live is through the filters of our personal preferences rather than his personal promises. Well, I just don't like it. That, you know, I just don't like that kind of thing. Now, who asking you what you like? Do you think God has to run his will through your preference? Oh, by the way, is it okay, Paul, if we did that? I mean, he ain't asking your permission. He don't even care what you like or don't like. He likes what he likes. I recommend that you just give God the menu and say, order whatever you want off the menu for my life. Because he paid for it. You might as well let him order it. You're telling God, well, I'm a, you know, I don't like tomatoes. Man, you're going to have tomato soup. Whatever he wants you to have, he's going to order for you. You have got to die, not, into, not your physical life. You don't die to your spiritual life. You die to your soulical life. 
You got to die to what you think. <laughs> you got to die to how you feel. I had one elder tell me one time, one of my elders, I fired him. He said, I'm sorry, pastor, I'm not feeling it. I said, well, whatever you're not feeling, you could go not feel over there because you out of here. I'm not feeling it because we were we were moving into a season where we had to sacrifice some things. And I'm not feeling it. Well, since when do you have to feel right to choose right? Hey, man, you don't have to feel saved to be saved. I can't get nobody to help me this morning. But I mean, if you want to have the extraordinary life, what's the extraordinary life feel like? I don't know. Just live it. Just live it. Well, I feel fear. That don't mean you have to be afraid. The emotion of fear and the spirit of fear are two different things. Y'all all right? I'm going to mess your hair up today. I'm going to tear you up. See, we must voluntarily lose the type of person we used to be so that we can be the kind of people that God has called us to be. We have to be focused forward, not focused backwards. So let me uh, talk to you about something. I'm going to mess you up now, but it put Romans 611 up there. Now, this is something you got to think about. The Bible tells you to think about yourself. He says, now, even so, consider yourself. Everybody say, consider myself. So listen, it's biblically permissible for you to take personal inventory of yourself. But God is telling you how to think about yourself. Now, the Bible says, when you think about yourself, think about yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Look at me. You got to learn how to be dead and alive at the same time. He said, he said, now listen, when you think about yourself, think about yourself as dead to sin. What is sin? Sin is what limits you. Okay, you can't get you in when you consider yourself alive to sin, then what you are doing is rehearsing limitations. So when, when you think about yourself, stop thinking with ceilings. See, you got to, when you consider, oh, I love my preaching. But, so when you think about you, stop Telling yourself what you can't do because you're dead to what you can't do. You're dead to that. The Bible says don't walk in the flesh. The flesh walks simultaneously in step, synchronized step with sin. And their goal is to put a ceiling on your believing. But when you walk in the spirit... The spirit is a life without limits. The spirit is a life without a lid. The spirit is the life without a ceiling. So when you walk in the spirit, you're walking without regurgitating and rehearsing limitations. When you're walking in the spirit, he's the most high so I can go as high as God wants me to go. You feel me? We got to knock this limitation conversation off. When you consider yourself, you consider yourself alive to possibilities. Well, you don't know how I was raised. You don't know what side tracks I was born on. You don't know what color I am. You don't know what the, so you know, you don't know what the man has done to me. You don't know, you don't know. Like, you don't, hey, hey, stop considering yourself alive to what kills you. Oh, I hadn't even started yet. I'm just up here. I'm just up in here figuring out what we're going to make this cake out of. When you're alive to God, you're alive to a life without limits. Stop it. Well, I can't get healed. Why? Well, the doctor said, who the heck cared what the doctor said? Last time I checked, the doctors were practicing medicine. 
Jesus is the great physician. A doctor ain't God. God can use doctors, but the doctor ain't God. God is the God of the doctor. And if the doctor is telling you something different than what God is telling you, I recommend you listen to God. Well, you know, have you seen my checkbook? There's more month than paycheck. Maybe right now. But you don't have to live that. Man, I bought these pants the other day in Houston. They keep falling off. I'm about to be, what do you call that when they drop them all the way down? What do you call that? Sagging. I'm about to sag by accident up here. I was running around with some of my black friends. They're like, Pastor, what's with the book? I said, the book? Yeah, what's with the book? What book? The book that used to be your butt because it just go flat like a book. You laughing, I'm like, I think I'm going to get some implants in my cheeks. I don't know what's happening here. I told you all about that time when I was getting undressed in the bathroom and my wife yelled in, Steve. I said, what? Women are visual too. I'm like, what would you like me to do? Shut the door. She's like, I like to handle love, but I don't like no love handle. You think I'm lying? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Consider yourself sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Okay, so consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God when Jesus comes into your life. Go to Romans chapter 12 and let's look at verse 1. Or verse 2, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No, 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 go to verse 1. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Hold on. A sacrifice is something that you kill. Now he's saying you got to be alive and killing yourself. He said you have to be alive and kill yourself because that's acceptable to God and it's, your, it's, it's a reasonable service to the kingdom. So just leave that up there. So this is, a, it's spiritual. He's not talking about killing your body. He's talking about a spiritual dynamic that says you have to be alive to God and dead to your limitations at the same time because that's reasonable. That's God logic. Don't be conformed to a limiting world. Be transformed by thinking without limitations in your life. Stop coming up in here and telling me what can't be done. Do you know what I came from? Do you know where I've came from? Do you know what I've seen? Do you know? Do you have any idea? It's crazy. Tuesday I was in Houston preaching this conference. And Wednesday there was this apostle by the name of Guillermo Monta something. Montesero or something, I don't know. The guy's in Miami, he's got 20,000 people in his church. 20,000 Latins. And I'm in the green room, he walks up and goes, who are you? I go, I, you know, I'm just little old Steve. <laughs> he said, what's on you? What's, what's going on here? I said, I don't know what's going on here. He said, I'm doing a crusade in Italy. There's going to be five or 600,000 people. And God just told me that you're supposed to come with me and preach that thing with me. Now, I'm just sitting there thrilling and chilling like a villain. And then he said, and, and then you need to come to Miami and speak to 20,000 Latinos about the will of God and the, what's ever on you. So I'm going in December, but, but and, and listen to me. Don't tell me, I'm a, I'm a ghetto kid. I'm a food stamp, government cheese, government peanut butter kid. And an apostle walks up to me and says, I need you to go to Italy with me. Oh, 
Okay, don't talk to me about limitations. I'm the person that my dad told that no one will ever follow you. No one will ever listen to you. You have a strong back and a weak mind. Don't you tell me about limitations. You might have grown up with limitations. That don't mean you have to take them with you. And I ain't nothing special. Trust me. I'm not that smart. I'm cute, but I ain't smart. (laughs) Amen. And it just keeps leaking out every day. I go to bed sexy. I wake up. I'm like, what happened? It's a puddle of of sexy at the bottom of the bed. It's all leaked out. Okay. So the verses that we're talking about here, give me just a few more minutes. Y'all all right? So the verses here indicate that we got to make a choice. There's a choice on the part of the believer to believe that we have to die to a self-focus and we have to become alive to a grace embrace. See, the death that we're talking about here, dead and alive, the alive you have to choose, but you have to choose the dead first. You can't walk in newness of life until the old, oldness of life is dead. So the death is initially uh, is initialized or in, initiated and carried out by the individual believer as an act of their will. So I want to talk to you about four keys that unlock this extraordinary life. It's the pathway to the extraordinary, uncommon way of living. It's called death, but let me tell you how we break it down. Amen? See, every connection to the old version of yourself, you have got to put to death. And when you put it to death, it brings you one step closer to the life that you want to live anyway. Amen? So look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. I'm going to blow your mind because I read this this morning. I was sitting with Jackie. I read this and I never saw this before. Never. I've been preaching for almost 50 years. This is the first time I saw this. I'm like, dang, somebody needs to hear this. But it says, things which your eye has not seen. I'm talking about the extraordinary life. This is what we die. This is what we come to life We become alive to this after we die to ourselves. It says your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, and it hasn't entered into your heart what God has prepared for those who love him. Now watch this. Look at verse 10 or the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Wait a minute, wait a minute, look at me. Your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard. You cannot manufacture what God has planned for you. But if you'll walk in the spirit, he'll reveal them to you. I've been told my whole life, you know, you have no idea what God has planned. The Bible says you can have an idea. The spirit will search all things. That's on the inside of you. It'll even go into the depths of God. And when you go into the depths of God, the depths of God that the Spirit searches will reveal what you can't think of or what you can't imagine, but you can have inside information about yourself. What? My eye hasn't seen, but that don't make no difference. If you got the Spirit, the Spirit knows how to search out what God has planned for you and reveal it to you, the Bible says. Holy smokes. I'm going to God deeper now. Look, you're going to show me some things. You can't tell nobody, though, because they, they haven't been on the journey of searching with you. And in their mind, they'll be like, my mind, my eye hadn't seen, my ear hadn't heard, it hadn't even entered my heart what you're talking about. And you're like, mine either, but the Spirit revealed to me what God had planned for me. He gave me a glimpse of my future, not to frustrate me, but telling me what to get ready for. Mm -mm -mm. How about that? My God, I blessed myself today. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able, and then I'm going to preach my message. Y'all all right? Now to him who is able. Everybody say, God is able. Now look at here, we don't need God's ability if our ability can pull it off. I don't need God to heal me if I can heal myself. (laughs) 
I don't need God to prosper me if I can prosper myself. I need God's ability when my human ability that is based on and connected to my human faculties runs out. Then God's ability kicks in and now to him who is able to do uh, uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to what's already on the inside of you. It's already on the inside of you carrying the extraordinary life. It's already on the inside of you. You don't have to wait for God to give it to you. God's waiting for you to unpack it. Lord, just give me, give me some power. You got power on the inside of you. Well, just show me what you want for me. He said his spirit that's on the inside of you will reveal to you what you can't think of or imagine. He'll reveal it to you. All you got to do is know how to get to it. We got to get going on this journey with Jesus. But you can't elevate without these four things. Number one, keys to unlock the uncommon, extraordinary life. First thing that you got to get ready for is what I call the redirection. <laughs> it all begins with a call that usually reaches, this uncommon call re- usually reaches into the midst of our common lives. And then God opens the curtains and shows you your future. And then he shuts the curtains and puts you in school. You see, right in the middle of ordinary activity, God will give you an invitation that'll change your life. I'm walking to the 26th building at Mount San Antonio College, Los Angeles, California, with my friend Nancy Masmanian. Her dad was the baseball coach at the college. And we're walking to Psychology 101 with Mrs. Johnson. And I'm walking with her and we're just talking. I got my books and all that. And I'm on that little corridor and I'm about to turn left and go to the 26th building. And as I'm walking, I'm 17 years old. I see a vision. I'm with Nancy. She wasn't a vision. I saw a vision. (laughs) And the vision was me preaching in India to a sea of young people where I couldn't even see the back of it. And then it went, and I turned to Nancy. I said, God just called me to the ministry. She goes, Steve Hage. (laughs) I'll never forget. She goes, the ministry's hard. I said, I don't care. I'm putting all my marbles in one bag now. I was just going through a common thing I did every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I went to psychology, and right in the middle of my commonness, God gives me an uncommon call. He gives me an invitation, if I believe it, to the extraordinary. My little old wife, she's just a little housewife, raising my crazy kids. And she starts getting interested in relationships. And she starts studying. And then she creates this seminar called The Extraordinary Value of a Man. And remember, she starts having these little, uh, these little meetings in our house. She charged $29 for these women to come. And she would teach them for eight hours about men and, and, and the stages of men and, and the things about women. And then she started this seminar for men about, and she called it If He Only Knew, which... She should call it, he'll never know. But anyway, <laughs> where he, she teaches men about women. It's one thing to teach women about men. It's another thing to try to tell us about you. I'd be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Is there something to eat? <laughs> and she's doing these seminars. She's doing this stuff. And, and, and next thing you know, uh, she gets an invitation from a podcast company that says, listen, we want to start putting your content out there. We'll pay for everything. We believe in what you're saying. We're going to build you a podcast studio in Dallas. And do you know in seven months, her last 
Her last count was that 7,000 accounts view her content. 7 million accounts view her content every four weeks. One of her reels has 12.5 million views. She has seven of her content reels that are over uh, a million, seven of them. Some of them are five million, four million, 12 million. Seven. She has, in seven months, she has 150,000 subscribers to her podcast in seven months. Listen, listen, she's just going through making pancakes for her kids. And God gives her this extraordinary call. We're at a football game the other day and some woman recognized her. You're that lady from the internet. I'm like, what about me? <laughs> you know who I am? I have to change my name to Mr. Daniil Hage. In seven months, there's a camera crew that's going to be in our house tomorrow from Nigeria with seven people coming to our house Flew from Nigeria to interview my wife. I'll be on an airplane in coach. Uncommon. Right in the middle of her common. Paul, you just live in your life and all of a sudden you start caring about underserved people on the streets. Just trying to raise your family, man. Just trying to do what your wife says. <laughs> trying to raise these crazy kids. And all of a sudden, God gives you an invitation. You're just trying to build some real estate empire. And next thing you know, you've got to buy a hospital and turn it into a homeless solution. You're just trying to live your life and raise those great boys. And Brian's just trying to make money. And you're now what? Now we're doing what, Nellie? We're buying a hospital with 400 rooms for who? Homeless people, drug addicted people, jobless people, hurting people, right in the middle of your commonness. God interrupts you. Now you're dealing with presidents and politicians. The invitation to the extraordinary. Right in the middle of your ordinary lives. Amen. God will, number one, redirect you right in the middle of your common life. Right in the middle of you just going through the motions. He'll go, hey, you, let's go. And it'll change your life. You and I have got to get rid of this common stuff in our life because the common will always compete with your faith, with your call. It'll attempt to pull you back into the common place. And listen, the call will always redirect your life. You got to stay spiritually curious. You got to be willing to go for it. You got to investigate. I have an announcement. God will call you. He'll show you the end, but he'll never show you the middle. He's not going to deliver you from your faith. When God gives you a vision, it's an invitation into a new perspective about yourself. And once you obey the redirect, then God will, next thing that will happen is you're going to go through a risk. Now the risk comes. Risk, let me just tell you what faith is. Faith always looks like risk when you're looking at it with your natural eyes. See, once God redirects your life, he'll always introduce you into an element of risk. We're not always going to be able to figure out what God wants us to do ahead of time. If we want to get out of the common living and enter into an extraordinary life, a life without limits, you have got to be willing to risk. Genesis 12:1. This is crazy. But this is our God. And he said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and to your from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. Now hold on now. If I'm Abraham, I'm like, look, if you want me to go, you're going to have to show. 
And God's like, well, if you want me to show, you're going to have to go. How many of you know that God will never show until you go? But how many of you know that it don't make no sense to go somewhere when you don't know where you're going? Have you ever noticed that God will always ask you to put your foot down when there ain't nothing under it? He's like, put your foot down, I'll put something under it. You're like, you put something under it, I'll put it down. No, you got to take a risk. No, put your foot down and something will be there. You're like, I ain't doing this. I ain't living like this. This is cray cray. I'm going to call the popo. This is crazy. I ain't living like this. God said, just put your foot down. Watch what happens. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> you put it down and something's there. You're like, wow. And then God said, now let's do it again. No. No, it's a one and done. No, you got to take the next step now. Well, there ain't nothing there. Put your foot down. Something will be there. I don't want to do that. Put it down. No. Put it under. I'll put it down. He's like, you put it down. I'll put it under. Okay, let's do it again. No. This is why people get stuck. That's why you live the same year for five years in a row. Because you're waiting for God to show and he's waiting for you to go. It's risky, Pastor Hage. Yep. I know what God's called me to. Yeah, but now <laughs> the redirect will lead you to a risk. Oh, now. <sighs> the risk separates us from our common lives, our ordinary lives, and thrusts us into the extraordinary uncommon one. When we're willing to risk, write this down. When we're willing to risk, we send a message to God that we trust him. After the risk comes a requirement. So on the way to the uncommon life, you've had a redirect and you've taken the risk and now God is going to require something of you. On the way to this uncommon, extraordinary life, God will always take us through seasons of requirement. In order to get where we need to go, we've got to pass through seasons of requirement. What does this mean? This means this is a season where God tests our devotion for him. And our belief in the call that he's put on our life. Seasons of requirement is when God asks you to give something up for him and for the vision. Seasons of risk prove our devotion to God. Seasons of requirement prove our lack of devotion to ourselves. So let me tell you a story. Y'all all right? Okay, just a couple more minutes. It's later than it's ever been. So I'm a, I'm, I get that vision, that youth pastor vision, which eventually ended up happening. We ended up having the largest crusade maybe in history, the history of the world to young people in India. I was just preaching in Sacramento on last Friday and preaching, I look out in the audience and there's MC Hammer. Well, MC Hammer is who did my music when I went to India. And he came up after, he said, I can listen to you all day. I said, what are you doing here? I can listen to you all day. MC Hammer, too legit to quit. <laughs> and we do this huge crusade and I'm seeing Physically, what God showed me spiritually when I was a little kid. So I've got this vision, Chandler, of being this youth pastor, Tori. And I'm working at this church, and I take over the youth ministry, and I got about 40 kids, Paul. I took it, it had like 13 kids, and I've been the youth pastor for just a little while. And the people weren't giving. The giving of the church started going down. People started, for whatever reason, they just weren't giving like they were supposed to. So the pastor has to fire like six people. So he calls me in his office with my wife. I'm 20-something years old. Tell me what you would do. I got a kid. I got rent. I got a car payment. It was a Toyota Tercel with no air conditioning, but I still had to make a payment on it. 
And I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm in my calling. And he sits me down. He said, I regret to inform you that we're going to have to let you go. I said, what? He said, the giving isn't what it needs to be. And so, so I, I, uh, the tithes and offerings do not match the, the salaries that need to go out. So I have to cut. And so I'm cutting you. You're fired. I'm like, how could this be? God gave me a vision. Ask Nancy Masmanian. I, got it. I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what God's called me to do. He said, I know. You're not doing anything wrong. In fact, you're doing a great job. There's just no money. So he said, that's it. We're not going to talk about it. Let's pray and let's see, you know, be on your way, young man. Requirement. So we bow our head. We pray. We're done praying. The pastor says, let me ask you a question. Since you're not being released because you're doing a bad job, it's strictly finances, would you be willing to keep being the youth pastor, do office hours, work with the kids, be on the campuses, put office hours in, do all that kind of stuff for no money? Just do it. As if you're getting paid, but you're not going to get paid. I look at my wife. She said, whatever you do, I'll follow you. Whatever you decide, I'll follow you. So I looked at him. I said, I don't even have to think about it. The answer is yes. He said, good. Because I'm going to pay your salary out of my salary. He said, it's not going to cost the church anymore. It's going to cost me. But I just wanted to see if you would meet the requirement. And from that moment, I became the number one youth minister in America. We had the largest youth ministry in America. People always judging me. Look at his attitude. Look at him. Look at who he think he is. Where were you when you got offered a job with no pay? And said yes. Where were you when you served young people so much, you loved them so much that you didn't even care about your own wife and child? And you said yes. Sometimes God's going to require something out of you that don't make no sense to your senses. Don't you judge the harvest without discerning the seed. You don't know what folk have been through. There was a requirement that God required of me. I had to prove to God that I wasn't devoted to myself. And the fourth thing, after the redirect, after the risk, after the requirement, the reward. Here comes the reward. Somebody get on that piano, please. The reward, I'm, I'm done. Y'all all right? All right, I know, I know. You got to go get your, you got to go get your chicken and waffles. I know. The reward is when we trade what's in our hands for what's in His hands. There lies our reward. First Peter chapter two verses nine and ten says, "You're chosen. Your generation is chosen. It's a royal priesthood." It, your people for God's own possession. See, the reward is his spirit. The reward is his name. The reward is his nature. The reward is his provision, his protection, his presence, his peace, his love, his riches, his heart, his healing. His eternal life. You are God's marvelous creation. And he's called you to the extraordinary uncommon life. Let's let God redirect our lives. Let's be willing to take the risk. Let's do what's required. And let's get ready for the reward. Amen. Amen. You may stand. Please stand.
take somebody's hand. We're about to enter into the most wonderful time of the year, aren't we? The giving of thanks, the celebration of the birth of our Savior. This is where the people that mean the most to you get to be around you, you get to be around them. There's just nothing like Christmas time, right, Nellie? Nothing like Thanksgiving. You got your boys, you got your boy, you got your life. I got my children, my five grandchildren. They cost me more than my children. <laughs> but I don't care. And I don't know how you could go into this season without being right with God. I don't know how we could do it, trying to be on our own. I don't know how we can be considering ourselves alive to sin and dead to God rather than dead to sin and alive to God. I don't know why we want to go one more day giving the devil our destiny. I don't know why we want to try to try harder when God's inviting us into his rest. And you're here today. You're like, I'm not right with God, man. I'm in God's house, but I'm not in God's family. You're here today, you've never given your heart to Jesus. Now you, you know about religion, you know about Jesus. Look it, I know all about Oprah, I ain't never met her. I drive by and they're like, Oprah lives there. Okay, I never got invited into the house. You know all about Jesus, but you don't know him. Never met him. This is your chance. Or you walk with God a little bit and now you took a hit, spun out, didn't even put a turn signal on, man. You just went into the cornfield. You're out there trying to figure it out. It's not what happened to you that you can't get over. It's not the hit that you took that you can't get over. It's the lie that came through the door of the hit that you can't get over. And we're here today to tell the devil to shut up. Amen. Shut the door on the lie. And get on with this uncommon life. See, like preacher, I don't like religion. I don't either, and either does Jesus. Part of mine and Pastor Dickow's call is to take all the religion out of Christianity. And let's get on with loving one another. And trusting the grace of God is sufficient. So you're here today, you're like, I got to get right. You're here today, you're like, I got to come back. I want us all to pray, but especially of you, those of you who got to get it together. Everyone say, Heavenly Father, today's my day. It's the first day of the rest of my life. I admit it. Been doing my own thing. Going my own way. Living my own life. I ask you to forgive me for leaving you out. Today I ask you to come in. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Call me. Use me. Take me. I'm yours. And Lord, even if nobody goes with me, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. My past is behind me. My destiny awaits me. I'm going to breathe air to give you praise and give the devil a nervous breakdown. 
in Jesus' name. Now don't let go of that hand. You prayed that prayer, you got right with God. I'm gonna count to three. If you got right with God, when I say three, you came to him or you came back to him. I want you to just gently go, boom, that's me. Ready? One, two. We all had to do this. Three, squeeze that hand. Now somebody squeezed your hand. I'm gonna count to three again. If someone squeezed your hand, when I say three, I want you to lift it to God. Ready? One, two, three. Lift that hand. Lift it. Lift it. Lift it. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up, man. Leave it up. Everything's about to change. I'm going to count to three one more time, one last time. And when I say three, if someone squeezed your hand, I want you to bring them right here to me in the altar so I can pray and seal this. You ready? This ain't no time to make excuses. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares. They're looking at him. They care about them. <laughs> Amen. They're not like, I can't believe they're in here. <laughs> He's the one, he was making the announcements, wasn't he? No, somebody squeezed his hand. Chandler's good. On the count of three, get up here. Ready? One, two, three. Bring them up here to me. Just bring them up here to me. Come on and let's give God praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, life changers. This is how lives change. Come on, come on, come on. Man, you ought to be running down here like your butt's on fire. You ought to be praising him like your mama's coming down here. Come close. Come close, come close. Come on, help me out, help me out. Praise the Lord. Come on, come on, come on. Don't stop praising. The angels are partying right now. Glory to God. Now look, I know some of you had your hand squeezed. Like I hope nobody thinks that I'm being right, not right with God. I teach Sunday school. Look, it doesn't matter. How many of you know that women need a midwife to help them give birth? Sometimes that's the way it is spiritually. You just need somebody to help you get born. Help you get right. Let me just pray for you. Look at me just real quick. I'm sorry. Every sin, every mistake, you understand me? Every wrong move, every bad choice, every lousy home you grew up in, every abandoned family your father left your mom was on drugs your siblings are nuts you got hurt at the last church gone it's all gone it's all gone religion can't help nobody Jesus can Amen. I pray you know what you're doing you don't have to know everything that's going to happen. You just have to trust the one that you're following. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. People are not our problem. The devil is. Mm-hmm. We can love folks. Yes. But you have got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because yeah. he just wrote your name in his book of life. And nobody can take it out. Amen, Amen, somebody. Amen. So let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that all the sin is gone. All the fear is gone. The lies are silenced. that the trajectory of our destinies are changing in this moment right now, right here. Cover us with your grace. Cover us with your love. And Lord, I pray that you activate the call of God on the inside of each one.
in Jesus' name. Are you guys a couple? Listen to me. There's something extraordinary for the kingdom on the inside of both of you. What's your name, sir? Aiden. Aiden, leadership in you. There's leadership in you. You got dreams, man. You got things you want to do, and you know you can get there. And your, com your a companion is full of compassion and humility. And she's up in there believing with you and for you. But the higher place, and I declare you're going to succeed, but the higher place is what you're going to do for people. I see you teaching people, helping people, alleviating underserved people's pressures. Listen to her. Her heart's really great. You're super focused. You're like the kite, she's like the string. If you don't have a string, you're gonna get caught in the telephone wires. She'll be like, get down here, bruh. You're going a little too fast, a little too hard. You and huge future. Do not walk away from God. Don't get all caught up in being caught up. Avoid trying to upgrade your profile. Make Jesus famous. Amen. And your lives will be satisfied at a level you never dreamed possible. Incredible things. What's your name? Ashley and Aiden, or Aiden and Ashley. You gonna marry her? Yes. Let's just do it right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a power couple right there. That's a power couple. Look, look at me, look at me. Your help is coming. You've got to quit trying to fix it. Because you can't. You might have broke it. It might be broken, but you can't fix it. But God's going to fix it. And the blessing of God that's coming to your life is going to alleviate all of the lack that's causing all this pressure. What left your life or what you need in your life is coming into your life. God's got his eye on you. He knows your name. He has the hairs on your head counted. He has full awareness of your dilemma. And he loves you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to put your feet on solid ground. And you're probably never going to see this Pharaoh again. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Okay, man, it's late. It's late. Keep dreaming, man. Keep dreaming. Double your dream. Quit doing like bread warmer and turn it to broil. Like get fired up. Get focused. Clarity will precede or go before empowerment. You want empowerment, empowerment. You want power. You want to get to where you're going. And God's like, let me give you clarity. You have to seek him to get the fog out of your future. Then the fog that's in your future is going to turn into the fog of God, favor of God, F-O-G. It's about to hit your life in Jesus. Now lift your hands. What's your name? Kai. What is it? Kai. Kai? Lift your hands, Kai. Father, I pray for clarity in Kai's life, the power of God, the spirit of God, the destiny of God, the call of God. Lord, take the fog out of his future and hit him with the favor of God and let him make impact for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord praise. Come on, Chan.
Okay, listen. I want you to plant yourself in the house of God so you'll flourish. You got to plant. Stop running around out there trying to think you're going to get it somewhere else. Your help is going to come from the sanctuary. You ain't going to get it from the White House. You're not going to get it from the courthouse. You ain't going to get it from the schoolhouse. You ain't going to get it from the clubhouse. And if you ain't in God's house, you're going to end up in the outhouse. So you need to get yourself planted in God's house. And your help will come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome all these wonderful people. Love you. I'll see you next time.